And so one night I was sitting there, I was all frustrated. I had, you know, three week, two or three weeks left to go. And I had made hardly any money at all. And then she just said, well, you know, just tell the truth. You can't, you know, this is really eating you up that you can't, that you're saying his story. It's not working. Just tell the truth. So the next day I went out there and I just said, hey, I'm a, I'm here for a couple more weeks. I sell, I've got two quarters left in school and my sister uses these pots and pans. They're really good. They're priced right. And, uh, you know, I, I go down on the docks in Houston, Texas. I pay $15 for the set of pans and I'm selling them for 30. And I just, and that day I sold more in one day than I did the following, you know, the previous week. Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design a life you truly desire? Then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here, you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's gonna help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson, and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. Okay, welcome everybody to the Rich Mind Podcast. And today I have another fantastic guest. I have today Glade Paulson. Glade has become a great friend of mine. Uh, We have had many conversations. We've got some ties back to the old days of uh, the Jim Rohn connection. Uh, He's a successful real estate investor. He's built several sales organizations He's just a wealth of knowledge. Uh, We were just talking before we hit record here about some of the things he's foreseeing in the current status of the economy that uh, I really hope that we can get to that part of the conversation as well, because I think it'll be super valuable to you as the listener. So, Glade, welcome to the podcast. And why don't you take a minute and just introduce yourself to everybody and and let everybody get to know a little bit more about you. Well, thank you, uh, Randy. It's an honor to be on the show with you. And uh, gosh, we do have a lot in common, you know, in more ways than one. And and uh, even though our our paths have crossed more recently, it's been uh, it's been great to get to know you a little bit and your story and your journey. It's a it's a pleasure to be on the on the podcast with you today. Pleasant great to name, by the way. Great name for the podcast. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's I, really cool. I appreciate that. Yeah, the idea of of the wealth comes from within, right? The mindset, that's kind of where that comes from. The ideas folks are looking for how to become wealthy, but I think it starts from the inside out. And so that's kind of where that name came to me one day and it kind of stuck. And I've tested it with a few other folks and I've had some pretty good feedback. And so, yeah, we're going with it. So the Rich Well, that's podcast, great. So I appreciate Yeah, no, that's here. super. That's super. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Where have you been? Uh, some of the accomplishments. I know a little bit about your story as far as you've had some ups and some, some downs, uh, as we all have had, um, some more severe than others. But at the same time, uh, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, sure, Randy. I grew up uh, on a small farm in uh, southeast Idaho. Um, there was 34 kids in my graduating class. So, I mean, it was small. We were farmers. Uh, we were poor. and uh, But we had a lot of love. Um, and unfortunately my mom passed away at a very, at a very early age. Well, for both of us, really, she was only 44, uh, breast cancer. And, and I was, uh, I was, uh, just about a week shy of my 
seventh birthday. So we we had we were on the farm there. There, you know, we didn't really have a whole lot of interaction with other people and whatnot. Uh, our closest neighbor was a couple of miles away, and pretty much just uh, there on the family. I'm I'm the youngest of eight kids. My oldest sister had just recently got married when my mom passed away. So we were all kind of hurting, you know, there on the farm. You know, dad was was a great man, Superman. Um, but he was hurting, you know, he just lost his his wife. And we had we and it was just it was just a time of all of us were searching. All of us were wondering what was going on. And so there wasn't a lot of huggy, touchy-feely stuff going on. You know, the, my mom wasn't there. And so the, what, the nurturing side of things weren't there. But we had a great life. It was a, it was a great place to grow up as a kid. I mean, it was just full of adventure. And every day was an adventure. We had, we had some uh, animals on the farm and, and what have you. And we just worked hard. Dad ta- taught us how to work hard. And we kind of just put our head down and went to work. And, and I was involved in sports um, from that little school. It, no matter what you went out for, you, you were able to get on the team. So, But I had some great, great uh, experiences on the sports field and uh, football, basketball, track, those types of things. And then we worked hard during the summertime and fall. So anyway, very, pretty average. You know, I wasn't a great student. My mind was always somewhere else when I was in school and what have you. But uh, anyway, it was a great place to to grow up as a kid. And and then I, uh, I went to uh, college. I went to Utah State University, in which was the closest university to my home. Uh, where we grew up and uh, went there and and graduated. Uh, I was going to be a coach. I was I wanted to be a coach, uh, an athletic coach because of my sports. Everyone always told me, you know, do what you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. And so that's I wanted to be a coach. But uh, I went to college. I graduated. I sent resumes from Bangor, Maine to San Diego. And uh, I never even, well, I did. I got one job offer. I got one job offer and that was handing out towels at the rec center in Logan, Utah for $3.50 an hour. <laughs> so that's a little bit about how I grew up. And from that, uh, those beginnings, especially getting out of college, uh, the sales, the skills of sales was something that uh, you acquired through basically, uh, like you said, through handing out towels at the rec center to moving on to different organizations and and learning that you actually had acquired a very valuable skill. And then you were able to take that into not only build your own businesses, but to help build other sales organizations and things of that sort. Is that is that how I understand your story to be as well? Yeah, it was interesting, Randy. I was part of my Part of my uh, education to be a coach was I had to do 40, or let's see, it was 40 hours a week for eight weeks. So that would be what, 320 hours. Uh, I had to do like 320, 350 hours of, of, of internship. And so I worked for the city of Logan, Utah for uh, the summer. I had two quarters left in college to graduate. And uh, so part of my uh, graduation process was getting those uh, those hours in um, on an internship basis. And so I I uh, mowed all the lawns on the on the ball field. You know, they had softball leagues and whatnot in the summertime. And 
then I would mow the lawn and I would wet the field and put all the white lines down for the for the games. And then I would umpire games in the evening. That's what I did during the summer before I I graduate uh, before I graduate. I had two quarters left, but I, you know, at the end of the the two months, I had like 68 bucks in my pocket and I had a, another two quarters to pay for. And I was like, what in the world can I do? You know, I mean, I don't have any money and we didn't have any money from the, you know, from my parents and whatnot. So I just had to figure out a way to, to, uh, to make it all work. My brother that was two years older than me had spent the summer in Houston, Texas, selling pots and pans. And if you know my brother, Rod, he's not really a sales type at all. He's kind of more of a bookworm type of thing, very intellectual. He's great, had a great career as a software engineer. So he was more of an engineer mentality and, uh, uh, and a student. But he had made a couple of thousand dollars in the summertime or for two, two or two and a half months in Houston, Texas, living with my sister. And I thought to myself, well, if Rod can make $2,000 in two months, I can make $4,000 in three weeks. So I headed up. I I didn't even know how far Houston, Texas was, but I I got my little Datsun B210 hatchback with no air conditioning in August and 68 bucks in my pocket, and I headed for Houston, Texas. Got down there, and Stan Knickerbocker was his name. He met me down on the docks of in Houston, Texas, and we he loaded me up with a on consignment a, a load of uh, pots and pans, and I went around just knocking on door business doors, selling pots and pans. It was very interesting because he he was a consummate salesperson, the blue suede shoe. I mean, he had a story for everything, and so he went out with me for about three hours and showed me his skill, and he would just have a different story every time he went in there. I mean, and they were not true. They were not true at all. And I thought, okay, well, I guess this is how you have to do it. So I started, after his three hours of training, I started kind of embellishing or using his stories, and I must have had this big neon light flashing on top of my head saying, liar, 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 you know, and I came home after a week of that to my sister and, and they were good. They were, they were really nice pots and pans. They really were. And they were priced so good. And she had been using some of those, had been using the pot, pots and pans from my brother, you know, being there earlier. And so she really liked them. And so one night I was sitting there, I was all frustrated. I had, you know, three week, two or three weeks left to go, and I had made hardly any money at all. And then she just said, well, you know, just tell the truth. You can't, you know, this is really eating you up that you can't, that you're saying his story. It's not working. Just tell the truth. So the next day I went out there and I just said, hey, I'm a, I'm here for a couple more weeks. I." So I've got two quarters left in school and my sister uses these pots and pans. They're really good. They're priced right. And, uh, you know, I, I go down on the docks in Houston, Texas. I pay $15 for the set of pans and I'm selling them for 30. And I just, and that day I sold more in one day than I did the following, you know, the previous week. 
And then it was just crazy from that point on. I, I mean, I, I loaded up the last day. I had 30 some odd sets left in my car or in my car. And I was going to sell all the way back to, to, uh, to college. And I thought of this one guy, this one guy at a warehouse that he said, well, I, I'm, I'm thinking of doing something really good for my, my employees. I'd like to give something like that for Christmas. I said, well, it's August. I mean, you, you want to do it right now? And so he says, well, maybe later. He said, why don't you come back some other time? So on my way back, I was literally headed on my way back to, to Utah to go to, you know, finish the last two quarters of school. And, and, uh, I thought of this guy. So I swung into his warehouse. He had a big warehouse there in, uh, in the flooring business. He was in the flooring business. And I walked in there and I says, Hey, this is the last chance. This is it. I'm leaving. I'm headed out. And he said, how much for everyone you every one of those boxes of pots and pads that you have in your in your car? And I said, 900 bucks. I, I, I said nine hundred dollars. And he said, Well, come on, you gotta have a you gotta have a better price than that. And I says, That's it. I'm gonna sell them one way or another. So you just uh, you know, if you want them, you want them. But in five minutes from now, our opportunity is gonna be over. So this guy put his foot up, the big old cowboy boots. He put his put his foot up on a roll of carpet, reached down inside of his cowboy boots, and pulled out the biggest wad of cash I've ever seen in my life. And he counted out eight hundred dollars. And then he stopped and looked at me, and I says, "One more." And so, uh, you know, I I I just I took off from there, and I had like four thousand dollars in my wallet from you know, that short period of time. So that was kind of the beginning of my sales career. That is fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. That is so many nuggets of wisdom right there. And that little short little stint that if folks can just pick that apart and think through that, uh, you may not even, I mean, you. I know you do today, but while you're going through that, you didn't realize how much value you were gaining from that experience. So to relive it, and if it, as vivid as you just shared it, that I really appreciate you going there because that was a lot of fun. I I, I know that somebody is going to hear something in that little uh, nugget of wisdom that will be able to take that out in, in in today's world. Right, folks are always looking for ways to make money or things to get more money and and those types of things. And it's it's the skill set of sales is typically what is missing: the ability to communicate, the ability to negotiate. Everything you just shared, everything. Yeah, no, I, Randy, I have reflected on that story so many times throughout my life about just being true, tell the truth, be authentic, be genuine, be real, be who you are, and just, you know, understand that. Understand exactly that that's, the, you know, the truth is good enough. You know, it, you don't have to make up stories. You don't have to be somebody that you're not really the, who you who you aren't. And uh, anyway, I have I've reflected on that story so many times. And there 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 are a lot of nuggets in there about just follow up relationships, uh, standing firm. You know, don't give don't sell yourself short or your your experience or your wisdom or your or your wares, whatever it may be. 
Um, and and yeah, so that, that that's a great story. Yeah, that is a great story. So I appreciate you sharing. So to get to know you a little bit better, because that was that was fantastic. If we ended it right there. We would be all set. <laughs> to get to know you and even myself, because I don't think I had heard that story. That was fantastic. So I've got three questions I want to run by you, and let's okay, see if we can dig a little deeper. And the first one is, who has had the biggest influence on your life? Wow, that's a tough one. I've been so blessed throughout my 40 some odd years of doing this that I've had a lot of really good mentors. And there's been mentors, really good mentors in different, at different stages of my life and different uh, areas or arenas in my life. I mean, some financial, some uh, personal growth, uh, those types of things. And so, man, to just come up with, you know, a, a person that's hard for me to hard for me to say. I'm um, lucky to be able to say that because I I uh, I'm always seeking more mentors, right? And it sounds like that you've had the experience of of being introduced to different folks, whether it's virtual or real, uh, folks that have helped you along in your journey. So to not necessarily have one person for that question, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fantastic that you've got a list of folks that have spoken into your life that has allowed you to accomplish uh, the ups and downs right through the journey of, of this thing that we call life. So, yeah, no. And, 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 and that's exactly what it is too. It's a, it is a journey and it's an experience. And, and uh, when, you know, the old adage, when the student is ready, the teacher arrives, it's really been true for me in so many different aspects of my life and different times of my life when I was, having a lot of success, I didn't really seek good mentorship. And I was trying to just figure it out on my on my own. I thought that maybe I was smart enough or, or intuitive enough or had had enough experience that I, I should have been a little bit, I should have gone and found mentors when I was having success. Because I have a propensity of going too fast and 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 get and getting too much business. And so that's been an Achilles heel for me throughout my life, really. And I went when I was down and out, that's when I was looking for mentors, right? And that's when I was like, what's going on? What's what's wrong? I mean, that type of thing. And so um, but I've always been a prolific reader. I, I wasn't a good student in high school. I wasn't a good, really a good student in college. Uh, it was after that. It was when I got started in business and in sales and what have you, when I got turned on to personal growth and development. And and I mean, I see in, in the background there, you know, a bunch of the books and whatnot. And you see in the back of my background that this is a, a third of the books that I have. I have become immersed in personal growth and development and books and seminars and audio table, you know, used to be audio tapes and then it was CDs and now it's audio files and, and podcasts and what have you. I've just, everywhere I go, my, my truck or my car is a traveling library. I hardly ever listen to the music or, you know, music and what have you. It's always a, always has been, always has been a, a traveling library. I've got a book or a CD or something playing in the background. So I've had a lot of those kinds of mentors. And of course, Jim Rohn, probably if, if I was to pick one person, probably 
Well, Jim Rohn in the personal growth and development uh, genre, that's cert- he certain he was, he was, you know, he was amazing. And uh, I really dug into his stuff really deep. Ogmandino, of course, with uh, the greatest sales, uh, salesman in the, on earth or whatever in the world. Um, and Napoleon Hill, you know, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, those types of things. The mind, you know, I mean, if Napoleon Hill was anything, it was like whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it'll achieve, you know. And, and so creating that mindset he would be probably one of the best mentors that I've had. Then financially, um, Robert Kiyosaki, you know, his, uh, and I think his book that made the most impact on me financially was The Cash Flow Quadrant, where he really went into, into and I know Rich Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great book, and, and most people would probably refer to that, but Cash Flow Quadrant was the one that meant the most to me at the time because, um, I was in business and I had a pretty large construction company down in Arizona and uh, and that really helped me at that time. Kind of long-winded answers. I'm sorry, Randy. No, I, I get going. And I... <laughs> no, no, there's nothing to be sorry at all. It, once again, it, it, you're sharing the wisdom and your past experiences. And yeah, we've been touched in different ways by different folks. And to hear what those meanings are to you is exactly what we're trying to gather. So that's fantastic. You had mentioned in there that you, uh, you've had some ups and you've had some downs, which leads me actually to the second question. It's what's been your greatest challenge in life? And what did you actually learn from that? Can you pinpoint any one of your lower moments, maybe not even their lowest, but just a lower moment that uh, was maybe a turning point to something more beneficial on the back end? Well, the the reality is, that all of us have our ups and all of us are going to have our downs. Um, and, and I probably, probably the biggest challenge that I've had in my life is just figuring out who I am and being happy with who I am in spite of all the challenges, in spite of all the losses, in spite of all the the hard knocks that come through life. And I don't know, none of us get out of this life without or throughout this journey without having some of those real, real challenging moments that just challenge you to the very core of who you are. And so my biggest challenge has been to understand who I am, what's my purpose, why was I put on this earth, you know, to have the most, uh, most impact. And then understanding that purpose and then following through and doing something about it. I have a, I call it the whack-a-mole syndrome. I mean, I see opportunity around every stinking corner. I mean, everything looks intriguing to me and, and fun and exciting. And, and, and so as soon as I'm in on something, then uh, I see another shiny, shiny nickel. And I, you know, it's like, Okay, let's go over there. Let's go run there. You know, whack them all. Oh, this one, that one, the other. So that's been the biggest challenge for me is just knowing who I am, figuring out that I'm good enough, I'm okay, and kind of a God whisper. Not that long ago, really, came one day when I was. It, it was a. It's. It's been a pretty challenging time the last two or three years for me um, personally, and. I was just kind of having a pity party one day for myself. And 
I had this God whisper that said, Glade, I'm not punishing you. I'm preparing you. And all of these experiences, all these good and bad, good and bad, prepare us if we learn something from it. And learning the lesson, growing from that lesson, growing from the mistakes, the challenges, that's been my, that's been my biggest challenge. And I'm still working on it. I still work on it every single day. <laughs> every single day. I tell my wife, this is a common uh, sentence that I use all the time, that I'm, I'm working on myself every day, and it's the hardest work I've ever done in my entire life. It's the most rewarding, but it's the most difficult. That When you take on the, the responsibility of your mindset and your personal growth and taking responsibility for it, it it's, it's rewarding and challenging all at the same time. And so seeing where the outcomes come, it's like that whack-a-mole, right? You start to see opportunities and you want to just keep moving and pivoting and, and diverting your, your focus to different things and keeping focus, understanding, like you said, learning from the experiences and figuring out what this uh, whisper was and what it means to you. And then following through, you said that towards the end, making sure that, that you are paying attention through your growth to then follow through and, and finish what that mission is for you uh, through the rest of your life. That's super exciting. Yeah, and, and I think we all have a propensity to try to find a shortcut. We always want a shortcut. There are no shortcuts. That's one thing that I've learned. There are no shortcuts. The work is the shortcut. <laughs> That's the shortcut. You can't go around it. You can't mitigate it. You can't try to outsmart the experiences and the and the and the challenges that you, you can't avoid the challenges. They're going to come. It's like Dave Ramsey says, you know, you better save up for a rainy day because it's going to rain, you know, and that's kind of what we're going through right now. And in, in the, especially in the real estate economy and what have you is, you know, w there's been a sea change. There's been a shift and I've been through several of these shifts. And so they're all a little bit different, but they're all very, very similar. And there's no shortcut. You can't, you can't work around it. The work is the shortcut. Mic drop right there. There you go. That's the bomb. So that leads me into this might be, that might be the answer for the third question, because the third question revolves around going back to your 20 year old self. So the wisdom you gained up to this point, if you could go back to your 20 year old self and give them some Give him some advice that that one that's just getting ready to get out of, out of school, get ready to head out into the real world. A passion of mine is helping the, that generation that's just now coming into their own, realizing, getting through the system, realizing that life may not be exactly the way that it was uh, they were taught maybe growing up, learning the financial education, learning the personal development, some of the things that we aren't necessarily taught every day. So I'm trying to find those that can you know learn from mentors like you know, what is, is there anything that you can think of that, that looking back, you would like to share to even the younger generation and, and what you just shared was, was part of it, but is there anything you would like to add to that? Oh yeah. There's the so much there, Randy. There's yeah. so much that, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, my dad was a, was a wonderful man. He was a hardworking guy, great guy, but he just wasn't a business guy. I mean, he just wasn't, we were farmers and, and I was always very entrepreneurial. I was buying and selling selling cattle at a very early age. I just had that, you know, that dream to to 
to go climb the corporate ladder and, you know, just, you know, do things, get off the farm and go do some fun and exciting things and, and what have you. So I was always entrepreneurial, but he, he couldn't help. If he would have known, he would have shared it with me. And so a lot of my wisdom has come through the experiences, has come through the journey, through the trials in the air. I wasn't astute enough to really lock on to some of the wisdom and counsel that was given by some of the mentors along my way. Um, I remember one I remember one of my mentors, uh, Robert Saxon, he said one day um, to me, and this was early on in my career. This is, you know, when I was selling modular homes. And and uh, anyway, he said, Glade, you're just always kicking against the pricks. And I'm like, for decades, I wondered what that meant. And because of my youth, this is something I've just learned in the last few years. Because of my youth, when my mom passed away, I never really had, um, I never had that nurturing thing you know, with, 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 without her there. And I didn't have that experience. We were all doing the best we could and we had a great life. And like I said earlier, but what I did to survive as a little kid, as a little glade, I went inside my own head. I tried to figure out, I'd go to my brothers and sisters or whatever and ask them questions. And it was like, because, well, because why? I was the curious type, always asking the questions, you know, because, well, because why? Because I said so. And I, you know, I, I just, and I know I was never good enough. I was never fast enough. I was the youngest, as I mentioned, and my brothers had their buddies and friends and whatnot when we did get off the farm a little bit and, and go play. And they didn't want me hanging around. I wanted to hang with them, but they didn't want me around. It was just typical, but I took that kind of personal. And I, and so I, I, I went inside my own head and tried to figure out everything myself. And I watched, you know, a lot of sports, played a lot of sports. And so there and the locker room is where I got a lot of my wisdom, you know, what I thought was wisdom. And because we weren't really talkative as a family, we, we just worked hard and we just did what we had to do to kind of survive, you know. But what I've learned through that is my mentor said, you're always kicking against the bricks. And what he, what, what that really meant to me as I studied that, uh, just, you know, again, the last couple of years, it meant that I tried to figure out everything on my own. I tried to do it myself. And, and I was always, you know, in my own mind, just figuring it out myself instead of relying on mentors and people who have, have gone there and done that and maybe made the same mistakes. And so that's what I'm trying to do right now is the same thing that you're doing, Randy, and that is give back to this young. I don't want people to have to go through some of the challenges that I went through. And if I could take it away, I'd like to. But yet that's kind of a double-edged sword because it's through those experiences that we really learn. So do you want to take it away from them? Or do you or do you want them to go through it? And and so it's kind of like I'd like to be there and help people and be there to help them. Hey, you know what? You're you're doing really good right now, but watch out because this will happen because it happened to me. You know, that's what I'd like to do. So I think to your question, the younger self, the the 20 year old, what could I say? If the sooner you can figure out your purpose, your why, 
what you want to do, what you want to, why, what's your secret sauce? You know, why were you put on this planet to, to, to live and experience and to serve and to help others? You know, the sooner you can figure that out, the better. Perfect. And for me, it's taken a lifetime and I'm still trying to figure it out, you know? (laughs) So it's like, and it's hard because it's hard. But like you said, it's the greatest work and the greatest fulfillment that you'll have. 100%. Well, I appreciate you sharing that as well. So earlier we had mentioned about uh, some of the economic situations that might be going on. Uh, a little bit of a pivot here as far as topic level. Uh, we had a conversation, you and I did, back in January about the current situation of uh, the economy, uh, things that are going on. And I know that you've had a wealth of wisdom because of your experiences. You've experienced several highs. You've experienced different lows. That conversation you you and I had was fantastic. So I was just hoping to just, you know, pull back the cover a little bit, maybe share. <laughs> and and let me just caveat with this saying that, you know, we're not financial advisors. We're not. No, oh, I know. Uh, this is all opinions, right? This is all just trying to be, you know, astute students, really, of, of the world and just trying to gain uh, some wisdom from others. And so just maybe a little bit of hope, a uh, little bit of uh, some encouragement, some folks that might be uh, struggling today that might not realize and see that there's going to be some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, just anything like that, that you might be able to share based on that uh, discussion that we had back in January. Well, yeah. And, and that's, it's been interesting. Just uh, no one knows. That's the, that's the, that's the bottom line. No one knows. I mean, just, uh, just when was it Thursday or Friday, I was in the gym working out. And uh, of course, in, in you know, the financial things were going on and even, even, even the, the wall street is sitting, they're trying to figure out what's what's happening, what's going on. I mean, this is this is I hate the word unprecedented because it's been so overused the last three or so years with COVID and what have you. But it is a little bit unprecedented. It's very different in many ways than the Great Recession that we had in the in the early aughts and very different than the savings and loan crisis that we went through. You know, I went through in the when one that in the late 80s, early 90s. And it has more similarity to kind of what was going on in the late 70s when I first got started in uh, selling modular homes. And I had a I had a a franchise of modular homes down in southern Utah area. We were shipping houses into, you know, the uh, the coal countries coal counties of Utah and Wyoming, uh, Rock Springs and Green River, Wyoming, and into Fallon, Nevada. You know, we were shipping these houses all over the place in, in these energy boom areas. And I remember one day, I, I mean, I was in my late 20s, and I, I thought I had the world on fire, that I was just, you know, so smoking hot uh, and so smart. <clears throat> and then I remember Paul Volcker, who was the Federal Reserve chairman at the time, he said, and inflation was happening. Inflation was happening at a big time and and uh, going crazy. And, and, and the country had never really seen this before or faced it before. And so Paul Volcker said one day, he said, I am not going to stop raising interest rates until every single skill saw in America is turned off. Those were his exact words. I don't think I've ever heard that before. That's that's <laughs> interesting. Wow. 
Yeah. And so it did. It went from, you know, it, it had been around six and a half, seven percent interest for decades, you know, for a long, long time. Uh, and then it went from six and three quarters percent to 17, 18 percent in a matter of like two years. And I mean, they did shut every skill saw down and it was a tough, tough time. And uh, I don't think they're going to do that again. But the dynamic is a lot the same as it was back then with inflation. And one thing the Fed is really good at, and that is getting inflation under control. And the way, and the only vehicle they have is through interest rates. So I see, but, but yet, you know, there's the economy is fighting them right now. I mean, they want the inflation to be around two, three percent, but the economy is so strong in many sectors and in many ways, the unemployment rate is not going up to around 6% where they kind of want it. They just keep creating jobs, you know, different jobs. And so they don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Nobody knows really where this is going to go. However, the Fed has been pretty clear that they're going to work on inflation. And there, and I see more interest rates or more interest rate rises coming. Um, I think the real estate and, and uh, yeah, the real estate in, in particular, I think is going to be a little bit challenging for another year or two. I, you know, but when you look at historic interest rates, six and 7% is where it's really been for a long, long time. I just think our expectations have to come back down a little bit. And for the first time ever, people are saying, I love, I love my 3% mortgage more than they love the house. It's always about, oh, I love my house. I love my house. I love my house. You know, that type of thing. Or I don't love my, I don't like my house and I'm going to, I'm going to try to upgrade or do this, or I want to, you know, three car garage or a RV garage or whatever. And so they'll, they'll switch. But now because of that, really, really, because of COVID-19 and and 2%, 3% interest rates, we just haven't seen that before. And so now people are in love with their mortgage more than they are their house, and they're not going to move, a- including me. You know, what little bit of mortgage I have, it's, it's at, you know, less than 3%. I'm like, man, with inflation at 11, 12%, and I'm borrowing money for two and a half. I mean, goes back to rich dad, right? Robert Kiyosaki, that's good debt. You know, so, uh, you know, it's the inventory is really, really low in the early aughts. Inventory was really high. There was a lot of inventory. Now there's no inventory. So there's some differences. But uh, but the bottom line is this too shall pass and it'll get back to more of a normal market versus a real hysteric market, which is what we had during COVID and and up until um about a year ago right now. And it turned on a dime. It turned very, very quickly. And it started when the Fed started raising interest rates. So it's a matter of trying to figure out. And there again, it's, it's, that's the most impossible part is figuring out, thinking through at what point will the Fed pause or stop. That's the hardest part because you can't predict those things. I mean, we're not in those rooms. We're not in those meetings. So you just have to look at trends, look at uh, past folks that have gone through similar things like this, like we talked about with with some of your past and things like that. So that's what I've tried to do. 
So I don't know if you're seeing anything else other than that. So that's what usually what I try to pay attention to is that Fed, see what they're doing. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a big indicator. But um, also, I look at inventory. Um, right now, in 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 uh, in the Boise, Idaho area where where I live and, and practice real estate, um, and I'm an I'm an active investor and and whatnot. I see what I see the opportunity, and I think this is probably indicative of a lot of places across the country because uh, part of my part of my career down in Arizona. I worked for several of the national home builders, and I actually had a framing company that built houses, did all the framing for uh, several major uh, national home builders. And and um, they have, they're in the business to sell homes, build homes and sell homes and develop land. That's what they do. And so right now, they've had everything their way the last maybe six or seven years they've been it's been a it's been a seller's market and they've got a lot of inventory and they don't want the inventory and there's deep discounts with with new home construction in particular there's deep discounts because they the carrying costs that these these builders have if they've got 400 homes that they're covering in one market they're going to get they're going to whittle that down and they're not going to start any new stuff or very little stuff until that inventory is gone or down to a more manageable level and so right now i think for the next 3 or 4 months in new home construction if you're a buyer now's the time to buy i don't see big 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 discounts like 2000 and you know 6 7 8 when there was too much inventory, a lot of it, I'm talking 12 months worth of inventory, and now there's less than less than a month's inventory, um, just in, in, the, in, the, in the market in general, new and used um, yes. homes. And so anyway, I think there's the opportunity right now, if you're a buyer and you're looking and you're wanting to relocate, I think you can hammer the best deal possible right now in new home construction. Not so much in the existing uh, existing homes uh, homes that have been built for you know whatever one to 60 years uh, you know that type of thing cuz the inventory is really really low there's not very many choices and so um i think the opportunity is in new construction for the next few months until they get whittled down once that gets whittled down then those guys are more they got it's more manageable and they and especially the national home builders They've got deep pockets. They've got stockholder money, and it's kind of like playing with monopoly money to a certain extent versus a small builder that that really hurts when they have to discount it. So that's what I see. But this this will this I don't see huge deep discounts. So if you're waiting for uh, 2008 prices, I don't think it's going to happen. I think prices have pretty much stabilized over the last year. Sales are starting to go up. Closings are starting to go up in this market. I don't. I can't speak for every market across the country, but because real estate's very regional, it's very, very regional. And what goes for California doesn't necessarily go for Boise, Idaho. So um, anyway, that's what I see, Randy. I don't. I I think uh, you know it's 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 if you don't have to do anything. Um, I'd I'd wait. If you want to do something, I think there's some opportunities out there. 
That's super valuable, Glenn. I really appreciate you sharing that. I mean, the, the, there was a, there was like a, a, an old adage that my dad said, good times and bargains don't go hand in hand. So a couple of years ago, when it, it was hysterical, it was a horrible experience for everybody. The sellers were getting multiple offers and the real estate agents were, you know, they had 25, 30 offers that were, you know, coming in on every single house. And it was it was nerve wracking. And the poor people, the the 24 that got outbid, they were frustrated. They were frustrated with the market. They were frustrated with their agent. They were it was just a horrible experience for everybody in the game. And but you know, it was good times if you were a seller, you know, because you could just do about whatever you wanted, but there were no bargains. Well, now it's not such a good time. And I think there are some bargains. Super, super valuable, Glade. I really appreciate you sharing <laughs> that. Seriously, that will help a lot of folks as we're trying to navigate what's going on in the world today. So I really appreciate your time today. And I know you are out there. You're talking about your your mission and what you're trying to provide uh, as far as value and content, the folks as well. And I'm confident that people are going to be wanting to know, okay, this Glade guy, he obviously knows what's going on with the personal development, with the sales ability that he has and, and what's going on in the real estate market and that type of thing. So are there ways that folks can learn more about you and how they can follow you and, and, and pick your brain a little bit more? Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. It's just Glade Polson, you know, <laughs> on all the social media accounts. And then uh, my YouTube channel is at Glade Polson, you know, youtube.com slash Glade Polson. So anyway, Polson is spelled P-O-U-L-S-E-N. So I'm pretty easy to find. And, we'll and I into the show notes uh, for this perfect. episode for sure. Yeah. And then my podcast is Why Not You? I mean, Back in 1999, I got that domain and it was, I mean, the whole thing was just, you know, we just don't, I don't know why it is that we think that everyone else has it figured out and everyone else has it easier than us, you know, personally. And, and, and really that, that domain, why not you? And that concept of why not you? It's anything is possible. And that's where Napoleon Hill talked about, you know, it's in your mind. Think and grow rich. And rich doesn't mean money. I mean, rich means like your your podcast, freedom, freedom, knowing who you are, knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at, and 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 then surrounding yourself with the right people. And so, you know, back to your question about the younger self, man, just be very, very careful who you sit around yourself with. You know, sometimes we think our friends are our friends, but they're not our friends. So be very, very careful who you surround yourself with, what you feed your mind, because your life is a blank piece of paper. You can intentionally create whatever you want, whatever you want in life you can find it. It's going to be work and it's not going to be easy, but it's possible. We're going to end it right there. That is fantastic. <laughs> thank you for sharing. Randy, thanks for having today. me on the show. This has yeah, been a fantastic so experience. I look forward to continuing our relationship. It just seems to get better and better all the time. I learn more about you. I'm super excited we were able to share uh, you with uh, the world today. And I look forward to the next time we're able to get together again. 
Well, so, kudos to you, Randy, for everything that you're doing. I know you're a, you've got a great heart. You're a, you're a great person, and and uh, thank you for what you're doing and making a difference in this world. I appreciate that. Good. You're a good man. I appreciate that. So everybody, go out there, have a fantastic day. Go out there, get some, develop your mind, get into some content, follow folks like Glade. Get out there and work hard on developing who you are as a person, deciding who you are. Why not you? It's a perfect way to think about in every day with your experiences. So have a fantastic day. Until next time, my friends, thanks again. Bye-bye now. Thank you for joining me on the Rich Mind Podcast. I hope you found a ton of value in this episode. If so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor, Jim Roden, shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today and work harder on yourself to become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends.